0: On this episode of the OFNT Podcast, I talk about a gun problem. I cover a little tech news and tell you about some tech I'm using, which turns into an ode to the iPhone and Apple ecosystem. I'm a little light on entertainment, but cover a story that's rocking the podcast world. I wrap it all up with my customary rant. Music, please. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the OFNT Podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart, New Tech. I'm your host and resident old fart, Jim Schaefer. I hope this finds you well, and you're having a great week. Politics. The Department of Justice was able to crack Apple's encryption yet again and make a connection between the Saudi cadet that killed three people at Pensacola Naval Air Station back December of last year, and Al-Qaeda. I respect Apple for not creating a backdoor to their software, but I'm disappointed that it can be defeated. Anyway, there's one interesting tidbit about this story. The weapon used by the terrorist was legally purchased in Florida. How is that possible? The fanatic was not a citizen, nor was he a legal resident of this country. He was here on a F1 student visa. A couple of weeks ago, there was a murder of a scientist in Pittsburgh, where the non-citizen perpetrator of the crime was also able to legally acquire a gun. Now, I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment, but it only applies to citizens, not people here on visas or legal residence. Obviously, there are loopholes that need to be closed in some states or arrests to be made of certain firearm dealers. (music) Tech News. First, from ARS.com. Google CEO Sundar Pinchai Defense Pixel Team says hardware is hard. From the article, Google's hardware division has been getting beat up in the press lately. A report of internal strife over the Google Pixel 4 made the group look pretty bad, with hardware lead Rick Osterlo reportedly criticizing the Pixel 4 just before launch and two key executives leaving the division in the last year. Apparently, all that dissent was enough to make Google CEO Sundar Puchai come out and publicly defend the hardware group, which he did during a guest appearance on the Verge's VergeCast podcast. I gave my opinion on the Pixel 4 in a previous episode after watching a teardown of the phone on the Jerry Riggs Everything YouTube channel. I recall the host especially crit- criticizing the wireless charging module which was basically a sticker stuck to the inside of the back casing. Very cheap components were used in the construction, and repairability was low, yet the price of the phone was up there with premium phones. Old Jerry wasn't impressed with the overall quality. The first problem users had with this phone was the anemic battery life, which shouldn't have been a surprise, being that the battery was smaller than the one previously used for the Pixel 3, the model which it replaced. The Face Unlock feature was able to open your phone when your eyes were closed, which is a major security flaw. The Pixel 3 was a fine phone, but for me, its design's a little boring, and Android is just not as polished compared to iOS. I mean, Dark Mode still isn't implemented system-wide in Google's own apps, though it's been almost two years since that feature was implemented. Perhaps Google's Magic Indian CEO should be replaced. Recently, the YouTube channel Front Page Tech, also known as FPT, leaked details of the upcoming Apple augmented reality glasses. The channel obviously has connections within the Cupertino company because just about all their reporting is spot on. According to these leaks, the product will be called Apple Glass and they will resemble normal eyeglasses and Thank goodness they won't have the futuristic look of the failed Google Glass. The glasses will be constructed mainly of plastic and will come with a proprietary wireless charger. The operating system will be called Starboard, which is reminiscent of Springboard, the name of the iPhone launcher. User gestures along with controls on the frame will be used to control the software. Proprietary QR codes will be used to run apps on the device. Instead of being equipped with a camera, Apple Glass will come with a LiDAR module for monitoring your surroundings. Like the early versions of the Apple Watch, processing will be dependent on the user's iPhone. GPS maps and other functions will all take place on the phone. The price is expected to be $499 plus the cost of prescription lenses. I'm definitely interested in this product as I wear glasses, but the price of the lenses will put these out of my price range. Even with my insurance discount, my regular glasses cost nearly $1,000. I would also have to justify the features and functionality compared to the cost. Also, I wouldn't jump on the first generation of this product like I did with the watch because later iterations brought so much more functionality than the initial version. I'd wait until at least the third generation before purchasing this. It's a very interesting product, and I can foresee a day when Apple Glass combined with a cellular-enabled Apple Watch will enable you to keep your phone in your pocket to be used as primarily a CPU. No more need for having a large display on your phone, which makes it easier to lug around with you. This next headline comes from zbiz.com. Huawei claims its operating system can challenge Google and Apple. From the article, a top Huawei executive has claimed their indigenous operating system called Harmony OS can very well challenge Google and Apple's operating systems. Quote, Huawei is in a position to deliver an ecosystem that is on par with Google's and Apple's ecosystem, said Eric Tan, Huawei's head of consumer cloud services. We have the confidence to be one of the top ecosystem developers in the world, he said while speaking about Huawei's mobile services, HMS, and its related app store during Global Analyst Summit in Shenzhen on Wednesday. Well, this is just some bluster from the most favored corporation of that beacon of communism, the CCP. While this still vaporware operating system may well be a worthy competitor to Android and iOS, Seeing is believing, and in light of the pandemic unleashed on the world by the benevolent and generous CCP, I don't think users outside the domestic Chinese market and countries under CCP influence are in the mood to openly embrace this supposed great ecosystem. Though the ban against Huawei was primarily targeted at its networking hardware and software, with their phone business being a secondary casualty, In light of recent events, I have not an ounce of interest or sympathy for this sanction-busting communist-controlled company. The only piece of hardware I have ever owned that was manufactured by Huawei was the Nexus 6P phone. I was not impressed by this fragile piece of hardware and felt it was a step down from the underappreciated Motorola-made Nexus 6, manufactured while that company was still U.S.-owned. Given to my stepson, it just blew up while charging one day after only a few months of use. Though members of the American tech press gave glowing reviews of later phones from Huawei, that after being flown to the company's lavish headquarters and wined and dined, I never felt compelled to purchase another one of their phones. Taking into account the security problems documented by various researchers, I never even consider reading about anything spewing out of the slave labor staff factories of this CCP-owned entity. With what the world has learned about the communist government over the last few months, I'd be very surprised if Harmony OS wasn't dead on arrival. Continuing with Huawei-related news, gsmarena.com is reporting that the Huawei-owned phone brand Honor is planning to use Mediatek chips in future phones. This is in response to the banning of the use of any technology based on U.S. technology by the Trump administration. Taiwan-based Mediatek is primarily known for its low to mid range chipsets and really doesn't have a good reputation. Think cheap Android-based burner phones. Next article is from businessinsider.com. And it reports that IBM is cutting several thousands of jobs a month after CEO Arvind Krishna withdrew its financial outlook. Another large U.S.-founded company with a magic Indian CEO that's experiencing some troubles. Most of my news feeds concerning tech this week was focusing on remote working, also known as telework or just working from home. The technology has been here for a while, and the pandemic has shown that it could be done, so I expect this to explode over the next couple of years. Companies can reduce their overhead by not having to rent or own expensive real estate to house the workforce. They could shift the expense of an internet provider and Wi-Fi networking to the employee, which would also save a bundle and allow the company to reduce its IT staffs. Local and state governments might see a reduction in tax payments, but that's nothing that can't be compensated for with some new legislation. (music) Tech I'm using Besides my television streaming equipment, my most used tech during this pandemic has been my iPhone 11 Pro Max. Yes, I know it's boring, and if you watch or read many blogs, they sing the praises of this hardware too, but it really deserves it. The phone has never crashed, and the battery life is awesome, especially compared to Google's or other Android phone manufacturers' offerings. I literally never have to worry about battery life all day, no matter how much I use this device. When you purchase an iPhone, you have almost all the software you need already loaded on the device. For productivity, there's Pages, Keynote, and Numbers. All are powerful apps that can be used by all but the most extreme power users. For so-called creators, there's GarageBand, iMovie, and Clips. Podcast is a great podcast listening app, and Voice Memos is great for what its name says it is, and can be used to conduct interviews. The audio file it creates can easily be shared via iCloud to the DAW of your choice and be edited and used for your podcast. I do wish Apple would include a more robust data allowance for iCloud than the paltry 5 gigs that they provide. Keychain provides a central place to create and store your passwords. The built-in call screening software works as well as any third-party equivalent that I've tried. With the recent purchase of the Dark Sky weather app by Apple and its future inclusion into the provided weather app, there's no need for buying any other wet weather app. Notes is a pretty powerful note-taking app with some neat advanced features built in. This was the app I used to use to outline episodes for this podcast, but I just couldn't figure out how to... Make a template. Previously, I used to use mostly third party apps for my needs, but now I find myself using the built in system apps mostly. Unless you're a power user or need certain apps for compatibility with software used at work, right out of the box, the provided iOS apps should suffice for anybody else. Sure, the mail app could be better, and so could Apple Music, but both are good enough for most. Speaking of templates for outlining episodes of podcasts, I was using IA Writer to do so, but an update broke the iCloud functionality of the app. My workflow goes something like this. I might start an outline on my MacBook Air at work, pick up where I left off on my MacBook Pro when I got home, make modifications on my iPad Pro while eating a meal, and finish it all up on my iMac. The updates were near simultaneous on all platforms, until last week, that is. At first, I thought it might be iCloud itself, but since switching to Pages, the Apple native writing app, I haven't experienced that problem. Entertainment News ETCanada.com has the following headline. Howard Stern brutally mocks Donald Trump Jr. after he slams hosts for criticizing his dad. Well, Stern started the fight, of course, but when Jr. came back at him, Howard took the low road. I used to listen to Howard Stern when he was the self-proclaimed king of all media. He was the original shock jock and his radio shows were not to be missed. While obtaining wealth and popularity, he was always an outsider to the Hollywood elite. It has become obvious now that he really wanted to be amongst the elite all along. Not only has Stern insulted the president and his son, he's probably alienated at least half his audience. This doesn't seem to bother old Hampton Howie, because audience or not, he still gets paid. In my opinion, his show Jump the Shark years ago, shortly after Artie Lang left. He's just calling it in to collect his huge paycheck, fans be damned. The Hollywood elite he used to mock are now his best buds, so he's adopted their ideology to prove his loyalty, and he's towing the company line. The term sellout firmly applies here. Next from Forbes.com, the headline is Box Office: The Fast and Furious franchise is just as profitable as Marvel's Cinematic Universe. I'm not a fan of either franchise, but I'd gladly watch a Marvel Universe movie over a Fast and Furious one. That's mainly because of one thing: the lead actor, and his name is Vin Diesel. I think he's a horrible actor who Hollywood tried to shove down our throats years ago as the next great action hero. This guy can hardly form a sentence and has a bad reputation amongst his fellow actors as being hard to work with. Mr. Diesel must be glad that this franchise is still going strong because he really hasn't been in any other big production project for some time. Remember, most of the fans of this series will eventually mature to a point that this type of movie won't have an appeal to them any longer. Last, HBO Max debuts next week, and being that I'm an HBO Now subscriber, I get updated to Max for free. I hope the service lives up to the hype so I can ditch Disney+, Plus, which has been a disappointment. I'll give my first impression of the service on the next episode. Podcast news. I have only one story, and it's a big story. It's really shaking up the podcasting world. PodNews.net is reporting that Joe Rogan's podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience, or JRE, is going to be a Spotify exclusive. The show will no longer be available on Apple Podcasts. I guess Joe couldn't refuse the $100 million plus he got to make that move. I think he's going to lose some audience numbers because not everyone subscribes to Spotify streaming service. Sure, you can just listen on the free tier, but you will get advertisements inserted in various points of the episodes. These ads are in addition to the in-show ones you will be subjected to. Another interesting part of this deal, perhaps the most interesting, is that the fact that the JRE YouTube channel will go dark and all its content will also move to Spotify. The JRE Clips channel will remain, and I'm sure if you watch it, you'll be directed to watch or listen to full episodes on Spotify. A negative effect of this move, though, is that there are shows that pull audio or video clips from JRE and either make light of them or just cover the content. With the entire machine of Spotify and the exclusivity contract in force, these shows will be in violation of copyrights. So basically, They're out of business. I understand the YouTube move as that platform has been culling its paid content creators by excluding a lot of them from the partner program. That program entitles channel owners to make money. Creators also risk demonetization or shadow banning if they post content on subjects Google deems inappropriate or misleading. An example of this is videos that call the coronavirus the China or Wuhan virus. Some channels have been demonetized for just using the term coronavirus. I understand that YouTube is owned by a company and can make its own rules, but there is no real competitor to the program, so I feel Google is stifling free speech to promote the leadership's ideology. Early reaction from the podcast world has been mostly negative. The heavy hitters of the podcasting world, like Leo Laporte and others, worry that this trend will hurt ad revenue for podcasts that use the old fashioned RSS for distribution. I'll make the argument that the JRE show is no longer a podcast when this move is completed. It will become the equivalent of a cable TV or a satellite radio show. It's an interesting move by Spotify, and I'm sure we'll see more like it in the future. I wonder what reaction Apple will have, if any. Spotify and others can keep chipping away, and eventually Apple's directory will be marginalized. This could be good for independent podcasters, but bad for podcasting overall, in my opinion, as it puts Spotify in the driver's seat. Most of the other news in podcasting uh, centered around all those COVID-19 podcasts rebranding themselves to focus on the reopening of the U.S. economy. Also, perhaps being spurred on by the Spotify acquisition of Joe Rogan's show, it seems other large and well-funded media companies are snapping up just about any celebrity or important figure-hosted podcast they can. Well, I'm neither, but hey... Any entity that wants to buy my show, well, they're welcome. I'll come a lot cheaper than those other guys, too. It's time for a rant. If I see one more hashtag together alone or in these uncertain times commercial while watching television, I'm punching out. Most of these advertisements are from companies who really couldn't give a crap about you, your family, friends, or anybody else. Most of the hashtag alone ads are from junk food or fast food companies, while the uncertain times ads are from banks, credit card companies, or other parasitic corporations. I like to ask, how can you be together with someone or something if you're alone? It makes no sense. Are they going to check on you? Just miss a payment and they will check on you all right. They will check to see where their money is or when they can expect payment. As far as the junk food industry is concerned, they just want you to know that the poison they peddle is still available to you in these uncertain times, whether or not you are alone or together. Can these leeches just for one moment stop the charade of pretending that they really care about you? All they really care about is their shareholders and the bottom line. I'd rather they level with you by just telling the truth. For example, hey, we know what we're selling is no good for your health, but we employ people too, so buy our stuff. Or, we are willing to defer payment of the money you owe us, but our patience is limited. Send money as soon as you are able or we will wreck your credit rating. Hey, nothing personal, together alone, in these uncertain times. These may, in fact, be uncertain times, but there's one thing that is certain. If you owe any of these companies money, they'll be after you to collect it. Episode 30 is officially launched into the Internet Ether. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it and also hope you found it worthwhile. Thanks for listening. You can contact me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you are so inclined. Tell me how much I suck and suggest how I can improve this excuse of a show. I'd love hearing from you. Be safe and I'll see you next week. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Now, with or without a mask, get off my lawn.